Welcome to the Transformation Church Podcast, where we're leading people into a transforming relationship with Jesus. We hope this message inspires you, builds your faith, and gives you a fresh perspective on God and His Word so you can see transformation in your own life. Enjoy the message. Today, we're going to be uh, hopping over to um, the book of John so you can begin to make your way there. Uh, if today is your first time, you picked a great week as we're kicking off a uh, brand new message series on a topic um, that has really transformed my life through the years. And um, I'm positive that it could do the same to you. We've uh, entitled this series Spirit and Life, and we're going to be speaking uh, four weeks on uh, the Word of God, uh, the Bible, and, um, and why it's so important in our life, why it can be trusted, and why Satan tries so hard to keep us so busy that we don't make it a priority in our life. Today, I want to talk to you, week one uh, of this series, I want to talk to you from the title, Come Alive. Can anybody say, Come Alive? Come Alive. Yes. Well, let's, hey, let's pray. Let's prepare our hearts for God's word today. Say this with me, Father, as I open your word today, speak to me. May I have ears to hear, a heart to receive, and the courage to respond. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, uh, don't know about you, but as a kid, I loved to climb trees. Any other, any other tree climbers in the house back when you could actually like lift your, your leg like over your waist? <laughs> uh, that, that could be a funny video if we did a video of all of us trying to climb trees now. But um, I, remember, uh, <laughs> I remember one experience of, of climbing a tree. I was probably nine, 10 years old. And uh, we lived in New Jersey, and the neighborhood that uh, we lived in was pretty large, and it had this creek that ran through the neighborhood. And so uh, some of the houses would have the creek in their backyard. And, and uh, as kids, we knew nothing about boundaries and whose property is whose. Uh, the older I get, the more I seem to kind of, what are they doing in my yard, you know? And, uh, <laughs> but then realizing that I was the kid that would just walk into anybody's yard like it was mine. And, um, and so I, I remember we were, me and some friends were, were kind of walking along the creek and we came, we came up on this big spruce tree. Now, I don't know if you've seen a, a spruce tree before, but it's like, um, it's like a gigantic uh, Christmas tree. Like it's huge, it kind of goes up this way, it can get 30 to 50 feet tall. This one, I mean, as a kid, nine or 10 years old, it felt like it was 100 feet tall. Um, I don't know what it was in real life, it was probably 30, 40 feet, but, um, but I did something really stupid. Um, I, I, I climbed the tree and, and got all the way to the top and, and you're probably thinking, yeah, that's pretty stupid to climb that tree as a kid all the way to the top. Well, that's not the stupid thing that I did. <laughs> the stupid thing that I did is that I got to the very top and I'm looking at all my friends down at the bottom and I'm on this limb and I start bouncing on the limb and I'm like, I'm not gonna fall. I'm not gonna fall. I'm not gonna snap. And all of a sudden, the branch snaps in half, and I start to fall from the very top, and I began to make my way like snap, 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 hitting all these limbs. I get about two-thirds of the way down where the limbs are a little bit thicker, and I hit that thing, and I stop for like two seconds, and then it snaps, and I go all the way down to the ground. And... Um, 
And fortunately, all of the limbs that I was clearing out on my way down the tree slowed me down enough to where when I got to the bottom, um, I only had two injuries. I had an injury to my pride and I had an injury to my backside, which had a significant bruise on it for weeks. And um, I, as a, a homeowner now, I can only imagine what uh, the owner of that house thought when at whatever point after that experience um, goes walking out into the backyard uh, to uh, this spruce tree and notices that a third of the tree is missing down one side with all of these limbs like all off um, on the ground. Um, and you know, when, when I think about trees and I think about climbing trees, um, it's a lot of fun as a kid, but there is one tree that I, I wouldn't come anywhere near climbing. It's a sequoia tree. Have you guys ever seen a sequoia tree? You got a picture of, of that. Those things are massive. Living on the West Coast, like, like you could see those down um, towards California and all of that. I mean, these things are massive, like fully grown. They could be um, the size of the Florida State uh, Capitol building. Like they could be as wide as, as this platform, um, full size. Um, but one of the things that is a fatal flaw for um, the sequoia tree is they could get really tall. They can get really huge and mature on the outside, but they have a shallow root system. Like they don't have a tap root that goes deep down into the ground so that whenever storms and high winds come that they don't fall down. And so that's why with these sequoia trees, you oftentimes see them in clusters and groups because the root system is so shallow that they need the support of other tree root systems in order to keep them vertical. And I was thinking about, you know, this, this series and thinking about, um, you know, specifically what we're talking about today as it relates to, um, to coming alive in God's word. And I just, I couldn't help but to see the similarities between the two, that, that when we in our lives, when we don't make God's word a priority in our lives, that our spiritual lives start to look a lot like the sequoia trees. Like we, we grow tall and, and we look mature on the outside, but, but deep down in our life spiritually, we lack the deep roots needed to be able to sustain the storms that we face in life. You see in Psalm chapter one, it says this, starting in verse one, it says, oh, oh, the joys. Like, don't just read past that, but think about Think about the emotion that's connected to what is being written here. Oh, the joys of those who live their life in such a way that they don't, they don't follow the advice of the wicked. They don't stand around. They're not hanging out with sinners all the time. They're not joining in with, with mockers. But in verse two, it says that, that they delight the joys of those that delight in the law of the Lord, the word of God, meditating on it day and night. I love that word delight because it means that, that we view something to be extremely valuable to the point that we desire it. 
And the Bible's saying that those that delight in the word of God, the ones that are spending time meditating, that word meditating, we talked about it several weeks ago, that, that it's that word like similar to a cow that, that eats grass, swallows, you remember, throws it back up, swallowed. That word meditating, we're doing that with God's word in our life. We're, we're not just kind of pulling up a, a, a verse for the day and reading it and going on and saying we checked a box, but we're allowing what we read to really really began to, to, to stir in our heart and we're thinking about it all day. He says in verse uh, three that, that those are the people, the ones that, that, that aren't kind of hanging out with the sinners, that aren't taking the advice of the wicked, but those that are delighting, that, that they look at God's word and, and they desire it. They look at it as extremely like valuable in their life, right? That those are the kind of people that are like trees planted along the riverbank. Now look what it says, that they are bearing fruit each season, that their leaves never wither and they prosper in all they do. How many of you would love that to be a reflection of your life? How many of you love to live your life where you're bearing fruit in every season where there's nothing in your life that, that's withering or falling away, that you are prospering in everything that you set um, your hands and your feet towards. Listen, if we're gonna live that way, what the Bible says is that that book, the word of God has to become more than just words on a page in order for it to, to come alive and to produce that kind of outcome in our life. As you can imagine, Jesus, Jesus had a lot to say about the importance of the Bible in our life. He said this in John, and this is kind of our theme verse um, where we pulled the, the title of the series from, John chapter 6, verse 63. Jesus says that the Spirit alone, like it's only the Spirit that gives eternal life. Now look at this next part. Jesus says, human effort accomplishes nothing. He says this, that in the very words that I have spoken to you, the very words that I have spoken to you, that they are spirit and life. Spirit and life. Now, listen, we could read that. And chances are you've probably read it before and you've kind of moved on past the verse thinking that those two words, they sound really cool, but not understanding the significance in your life. But what Jesus is trying to say in just these two words is transformational in our life. You see, we talked about this word spirit um, back in January when we did the Holy Spirit series. And that, this word is the word pneuma. It means a wind or breath. It's, it's referring to the breath of of God. And I found what, what was so interesting about this text as I was just praying and studying this week is that, that it's the same breath of God in Genesis chapter two that, that picked up dry dirt that was lifeless, right? And breath breathed into that dirt and it comes alive. 
And it's that same breath of God that is in the word that as we are reading our word that, that has the creative power to accomplish what is spoken. And every time you and I make it a priority and take time to get into his word and to read it and to meditate on it. Listen, every time we do that, God is breathing into our lives. Think of that for a moment. Like every time that we pick up our phone or every time that we grab our Bible and we say for the next 10 minutes, I'm going to I'm going to go a little deeper than just a verse of the day. And I'm, I'm going to kind of read and I'm going to, I'm going to meditate. What is this? What are you saying to me, Jesus? What is, what are you saying to me through your word today? What, what is it in my life that, that, that I love, but it's not of you that you're wanting to, 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 to reshape and to transform into my life. That when we do that, it is the, the very breath of God that is blowing into our lives. And then, and then Jesus uses this other word, life, and, and that word is the word Zoe, and it refers to the life that, the life that only God can offer. Like the life that Jesus gave up his life so that we could experience. And Jesus is like, my very words, are God's breath into your life. It's not only his breath, but, but it's the kind of life that we can only experience with God's activity operating in our life. You see, from Jesus' perspective, the Bible isn't just a cool little book. It's not just words on a page, but they possess the creative power to transform your life. Listen, from your worst to his best. It's an exchange from your worst to his best. The apostle Paul experienced this exchange even in his own life. Like the apostle Paul was the worst of sinners. That's how he described himself. Like I was the worst of the worst. And then he has an encounter with Jesus, right? that transforms his life and then he begins to make it a priority that God's mission is his mission and then he becomes one of the most influential people in Christendom and he writes this in Hebrews chapter four. This is what he says about the word of God. He says that it is alive and powerful. Think about the last time that you picked up the Bible. Think about the last time that you got that alert on your phone and, and you snuck that, that verse or two verses in and went about your day. Was it alive and powerful? Like, are, would you say that the, the experience that you have with God's word as you read it is the same experience that Paul is speaking of here, that it is alive and it is powerful. You see, Paul recognized that the Bible wasn't just a historical book with some good principles. He recognized that it was the very breath of God 
to transform his life. He said that, look how he described it. He says it's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword. And this, this, is, this part is kind of comical to me. Um, it's real, but it's comical. Cutting between the soul and the spirit, between joint and marrow, that exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. The reason why I think this is comical is because basically this is a fancy way of saying that the Bible is going to get all up in your business. <laughs> like when's the last time that you allowed the Bible to get all up in your business? When's the last time that you were reading and you're like, oh, I'm not supposed to react that way. Oh, that grudge that I've been carrying, like I, I'm supposed to forgive. Like, like when's the last time you've let it get all up in your business? Like it'll mess, like, like it'll mess with your attitudes. The Bible mess with your emotions. It's going to mess with every issue that you got in your life. It's going to mess with what your future plans are. Um, but it has a purpose. It's not coming in just to disrupt for disrupt's sake, but it's coming in in order to bring heaven to earth in our lives. <laughs> and that's why Paul says that it's alive and it's powerful. And so how do we experience that? How do we come to this place in our Christian walk? where the word of God moves from something we scroll over for a second and move on to our life to alive and powerful spirit, God's breath and the kind of life that we can only experience through God. There's three things that I've kind of learned in my journey of, of, of failing more than succeeding. <laughs> Anybody else live that like, like, I don't know why I have to be so hardheaded that, that uh, I have to fail more than I succeed in order to learn my lesson. Um, but these are three things in my journey. They're really three decisions that I had to make. And it, these three decisions are, it's not like we can take one and leave two or take two and leave one. That in order for the word of God to come alive, to be powerful, the breath of God in our lives, um, we need to be doing all three of these. And so the first one that we need to be doing in our life is we've got to make God's word the authority. Not a authority, where we, got, we give permission to a lot of other things in our life to kind of speak into our life and the decisions that we make. But, but we've got to make it the authority in our life. I mean, we can't look at God's word as another good book about another good man with some good principles and expect to experience the Zoe kind of life that God sent his son Jesus to die for so that we could experience. Paul wrote to a group of new believers in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. He said, and we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received 
the word of God, which you heard from us, he says, you, you accepted it. He said, you accepted it. If you got your Bible circle, that word accepted, that it's not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. The reason why I told you to circle that word accepted is because it has an interesting meaning when you look at the original language. You see this word accepted in the original language, it paints a picture of, 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 of somebody having their house and a, and a complete stranger coming over to the house and knocking on the door. And this word accepted um, illustrates this individual opening the door and welcoming this complete stranger into their home. And so when Paul uses this word and talking about them accepting the word of God, not as what man says, but as what it really is, what, what he's saying is, hey guys, you are knocking it out of the park. And the reason why you're knocking it out of the park is because you are accepting the word of God, which is a stranger to you in your life. Like it's, it's something that you don't fully understand. And maybe there's some areas in it that you don't fully agree with. But Paul is like, man, you guys are killing it because you are accepting that into your heart, into your home, and you're allowing it to be welcomed into your life. I mean, that's amazing. Think of the mindset. Think of the mindset that they had in that, that, I mean, for us, when we get in the Bible, the temptation is, is we read something that we don't like, right? Like we have, I mean, let's get real right? Let's get real. Like we have this, this path that we want to live in our life, the direction that we want to go. And yes, as followers of Christ, we want to include God in that path, <laughs> right? It's less about him leading us down the path. It's more about, Hey God, come on, you know, come on. Let's, this is where we're going. Right. And so what happens is when we live our lives that way is that when we look at the Bible, we're like excited about the promises of what we get, but we either dismiss or we kind of keep scrolling when the Bible says something about like our path or what we've like, like think of this, like, like there's things in our journey of following the Lord that the, the pains and the scars that we have that we grow so um, accustomed to that the idea of letting go of those things almost becomes more painful than holding on to them. And so then we see stuff in the Bible that starts to kind of like start messing with some of that stuff. And we either choose, um, I'm gonna stay out of this chapter, <laughs> right? Or we come up with reasons why that doesn't apply to our situation. Ooh, it's getting quiet in this Pentecostal church. <laughs> Listen, let me let you in on a secret. Secret is, is that you will never fully understand the Bible until you obey it. If you're going to spend your life like 
dismissing the Bible because you don't understand it, you're going to be spending your life doing that the rest of your life. Because it don't make sense. Like, if I got somebody that has treated me wrong, like, what's wrong with me holding a grudge for the rest of my life, right? What's wrong with me, like, like walking by them and just not even looking at them? Like, like what's wrong with that? Isn't that the way we're supposed to, to live our lives? Like, and so when the Bible says, like, like, if we don't forgive, we can't be forgiven, I mean, that, yeah, I'll just keep, because God's grace, right? Oh, his grace is so amazing that I cannot do what his word says and I can still live in his grace. Oh. Oh, man, I got to <laughs> It is quiet in this church. The reason why we're getting heavy today is because I want the word of God to come alive in our lives. Because without the word of God coming alive in our lives, then we dismiss and we think, ah, this, this faith thing is, it's not real. It's just some good practice. There's good habit to come to church on Sundays. Like, like, and we miss out on the Zoe kind of life. We miss out on the life that, I mean, think about, think about this. Think about Jesus giving up his life on a cross and us choosing to live our life short of the potential we have because we like, we want to do what we want to do. And if the word of God, like if we could be a church where the word of God It's the breath of God in our lives that it becomes alive and powerful. That all of a sudden we become a church in this community that is not living beneath God's purpose for our life, but we're living in God's purpose for our life. Then all of a sudden the name of our church moves away from some fancy name into the mission that God has called us here, which is to transform people's lives, to lead people into a transforming relationship with Jesus. Here's the authority test. You ready? Here's the authority test. Are you adjusting your life to God's word or are you adjusting God's word to your life? So the way that you know that, that the word of God is the authority in your life is that you aren't looking at scripture with your agenda in mind and determining either I don't want to do that or that was written to a different group of people so it doesn't apply to me. Like, you see what I'm saying? Like, if that's the way we live our life, then the word of God is not the authority. But if the word of God is the authority, then we look at our life through the lens of his word and every desire that we have, every attitude, every emotion, every future plan, everything is looked through the lens of his word and it filters out the things that are selfish. It filters out the things that 
we are wanting that are selfish to us. And on the other end of that is only what God says we should do. So not only do we need to make his word the authority in our life, but, but we need to take a step even further. That we need to make God's word a priority in our life. Not just the authority, but we've got to make it a priority. Lifeway Research Group and uh, Ed Stetzer, which is a kind of a missionary or missional guru, um, asked a group of churchgoers this question, how often do you read the Bible? And here's what they learned. That less than 20% of churchgoers read the Bible every day. 26% read the Bible a few times a week. 14% read the Bible once a week. The 22% read the Bible at least once a month and 18% hardly ever read the Bible. And so here's what, here's what this study shows us. That if we were to add those percentages up together, that nearly four out of every five Christ followers today have been promised this medium rare bone-in ribeye and they're settling for ramen noodles. <laughs> and we wonder, we spend, we spend much of our time like pointing fingers out there as to why our world is going to hell <laughs> in a handbasket. And maybe, maybe there, maybe, maybe out there would look a little bit different if in here was a little bit more alive and powerful. <laughs> this is not, this message is not designed to beat you over the head. This message is designed to, to put a pep in your step, a sense of urgency that there's, there's so much more. There's so much more to the the Christian walk, the Christian journey in our lives are so much more than what we are experiencing today. But we can't experience that absent of the word of God being alive and powerful in our lives. Jesus said in Matthew chapter seven, verse 24 and 25, that, that look at these words that I speak to you, they're not, uh, they're not incidental additions <laughs> to your life, homeowner improvements to your standard of living. No, they're foundational words, foundational words, words to build a, a life on. And if you work these words into your life, that, that you're like a smart carpenter who built his house on a solid rock, the rain poured down, the river flooded, a tornado hit, but nothing moved the house. Why? Because it was fixed on the rock. What is Jesus saying? He's saying, listen, this isn't just a suggestion. Like getting into God's word isn't just a suggestion. Like this is, this is something that we have to build our life 
upon. He's saying that the storms, look at this last part of the verse, that, that the, the, the rain poured and the river flooded and a tornado hit. In other words, the storms are coming, folks. <laughs> like Jesus never promised that we would be without storms. Like the storms are coming. He's saying there's nothing that we can do to avoid the storms from hitting our lives. But Jesus says that if we will build our lives on the solid foundation, in other words, if we will have our taproot deep into God's word, that when the storms do hit, guess what? We would stand the storm. And we come out on the other side victorious. The third one that I want to share with you, the final one, that yes, we need to make his word the authority in our life. And yes, we need to, we need to make it a priority in our life. But the third one, this is the one that you can't just, you can't just take the first two and leave the third. The third one is this, you got to make God's word a mirror for your life. I can say a mirror, like, what are you talking about a mirror? On James chapter one, verse 22, James says this. He says, don't, don't just listen to God's word. Like, don't just, he's saying like, like, don't just, he's saying church is not enough. Like, it's not enough to just come and hear Ryan, like teach from the Bible and that be that be all the Bible that I get for the week. He's like, don't just, don't just listen to God's word, but look what he says. He's, he says, you must do what it says. And then he says this, otherwise you are only fooling yourself. This word fooling in the original language can be translated to defraud, deceive, or to cheat. Defraud, deceive, or to cheat. And so James is like, if you just listen to the word or if you just read the word and you don't do what it says, <laughs> he's saying, you're gonna cheat yourself. You're gonna deceive yourself. I've, I find it interesting that in Revelation chapter 12, it speaks of Satan being the deceiver, the great deceiver of the world. But when you look at those kind of stats, you recognize that we're doing a pretty good job deceiving ourselves. We're doing a pretty good job deceiving ourselves. When we just read the word and we don't do what it says. When we just listen to a sermon and we don't respond and begin to, to activated in our lives when we just are a part of a small group and, and, and we go through a study, but, but it's all information and it's never transforming our lives. Church, Satan doesn't care if you go to church. He cares if you become the church. You can sit here all, you can sit here as many weeks as you want to and it never transform your life because it never moves from here to the way that you live. And Jesus goes on, he says that in verse 23, that for if you listen to the word and you don't obey it, 
Look what he says. It's like glancing at your face in a mirror that you see yourself and then you walk away and you forget what you looked like. In other words, James saying like, like what's the point? What's the point of, of listening to a, a good sermon? What's the point of reading your verse for the day? Like what's the point of being a part of a, a small group if you aren't going to do anything with it? I mean, I think of in the rawest sense, I think of you know, the greatest danger in the church today, it's not secular culture. That's not the greatest danger to our lives or to the local church. The greatest danger is dead preachers preaching dead sermons to dead people who are doing nothing with it. That's the greatest danger. He says in verse 25, but if you look carefully, and to the perfect law, the word of God. Look what it does. It's the, it's the one thing that sets you free. And if you do what it says and, and you don't forget what you heard, then God, what? What's he gonna do? He's gonna bless you for it. He's gonna bless you for it. What's James trying to say? He's trying to say that we're not gonna have a blessed life when we just read the Bible. I mean, think of that. Like, like we talk about the importance of reading the Bible, read the Bible, read the Bible, read the Bible. And James is like, listen, the blessing's not in reading the Bible. The blessing is in doing what it says. Maybe the reason why you read it and it's not alive and powerful. Maybe the reason why you read it and it doesn't seem to be transforming your situation or your life is because you're just reading it. Or you're just listening to it. And how do we make God's word come alive? How do we make his word become way more than just, just words on a page? How can his word become the, the pneuma and the Zoe in our life? God's creative breath, breathing in our lives, producing the kind of life that only God can give. We gotta make his word the authority. We've gotta take a look at what's priority in our life and we gotta make it a priority again. And then we gotta take his word and we've got to allow it to be the mirror of our life. That as we gaze into his word, that he reflects back to us, Ryan, these are the areas, these are the attitudes that are not right. These are the behaviors that are not right. But not only what's not right about you, Ryan, but when you look into this mirror, you see your true identity. You see who I have created you to be. Not who your dad said that you were gonna be, not who the words, world says that you're gonna be, but who I have created you to be. Father, Father, 
thank you that your word is alive and it's powerful. Father, today, forgive us. Forgive us for not making your word the authority in our life. Forgive us for spending our lives trying to adjust your word to our choices and what we want rather than adjusting what we want and our choices to your word. Father, forgive us for being so busy with other stuff that yes, some of it's important, but none of it's eternal. Lord, forgive us for not making your word a priority in our life. Forgive us for reading a verse and checking it off the list and maybe coming back to it a, a week or two later. Father, forgive us. Forgive us for ever thinking that, that just reading your word or just listening to your word without applying it to our life would ever give us the life that you promised us. So Lord, today, today we come back to the altar. Today we lay down and we sacrifice our desires and our wants and our agendas. Lord, our deepest desire is that your word would come alive in our lives, that it would be your breath breathing into the dead, dry, desolate areas of our life so that we could experience Zoe, the life that you sent Jesus to die on the cross so that we could receive. Father, breathe into this place, breathe into our lives, as you spoke to the prophet Ezekiel. Lord, as we stand here like dry bones, lifeless. Father, we pray that the breath of God would breathe into those areas of our lives. That Lord, they would come alive again. That as your word said, that, 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 that they would be a great army. That Lord, you would see a church you would see a church that is passionate about your word, a church that has set your word as the authority in their life, a church that not just reads your word, but does your word. And that Father, through that, God, your word would be alive and powerful and that you would breathe your creative breath in us so that the dead areas in our life, the dead marriages, the dead relationships, the dead addictions, Lord, the dead emotions, the things that keep dragging us down, Lord, would fall aside and that we would rise up as a great army of followers of Christ and be all that you've called us to be. Father, let it be. Let it be so. 
Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's message, be sure to share it with your friends and tag us at TransformTLH. Thanks again for listening, and we look forward to seeing your face in the place someday. Have a great week.